On December 4, 2015, the Ash Center for Democratic Governance hosted a student speaker series with Peiron Wei, graduate of the Harvard Kennedy School and Ash Center China Philanthropy Project Fellow. The talk, titled China Gives, Mapping Generosity, presented Wei's new research aimed at providing a holistic view of China's philanthropic landscape by analyzing specific givings of China's most generous individuals. For more information about the Ash Center and the China Philanthropy Project, visit ash.harvard.edu. Hi, everyone. Um, thank you all for, uh, for coming. This is a, a wonderful turnout, so thank you, Peiran, for spreading the word and for having such a fascinating topic. Um, this is the Ash Center Student Speaker Series. This is actually the last, uh, the last edition of this semester, so we'll, we'll resume um, at the beginning of next semester. But today, uh, this is actually Peiran's second presentation. Peiran was a mid-career student with us last year, and now he's a research fellow here at the Ash Center. Um, his background before coming to the Ash Center was as a journalist uh, working for Bloomberg. Um, he has done a lot of, of really interesting financial journalism. Um, and since graduating the Kennedy School, he has been working on a really interesting project with one of our faculty members here, Edward Cunningham, which is an effort to map and, and catalog uh, the, philanthropy section, se the philanthropy sector. That's the word I'm looking for in China. Sorry. Um, this is a project that, that hasn't been done before, and I think he's got some, uh, some interesting stories about the, the uh, mechanics of actually getting it done and, and some of their findings and the goals of their work. So um, with that, one, one other announcement here. I have a, uh, an iPad that you can sign in on if you would like to be added to the email list to hear about events like this. Um, so I'll send that around. And then finally, as you do find seats, I know we have uh, more people than usual. Just make sure that we're not blocking any of the, uh, any of the ways for people to get in and out of the, of the center. So with that, I'll turn it over to you, Peyron. Thank you, Will. Thanks for coming, everybody. It's actually exceeded my expectation. Um, so I want to start off my presentation by making a big confession. About 10 months ago, it's in uh, about February 2015, when Edward Cunningham, who is the director of China programs here at Ash Center, aka my boss, uh, he asked me if I want to work for China philanthropy program to create something that provides a holistic view of China's philanthropic landscape. Um, the idea is to analyze specific givings of China's most generous people. Ideally, we'll get to 100. And we'd like to look at how much money they gave last year, where they give to, who they give to, and where they come from, and their historical giving. And we also would like to invent some new indices, such as generosity index, transparency index, diversity index. The reason Edward came to me has to do with my previous life, previous career, as Will said. I worked, those of you who don't know me, I worked for Bloomberg in Greater China for two years covering billionaires, chasing rich people. If I learn one thing from, um, from my old job, that is, it's a hard job. You know, it's, on a daily basis, you're dealing with information transparency issue, or the lack of transparency. Oftentimes, you spend weeks and months trying to pin down a specific number for an individual, and you end up hitting a dead end. So I thought about, when Edward asked me, I thought about it. Uh, and I had it for about 10 seconds. I thought, you know, it's, it's hard enough to find out how much money one makes. It's probably even harder. It can be even harder to find out how much money one gives because there might be no trace of transaction, no trace of money uh, if the donor decides to be anonymous. So I thought about 10 seconds, and then I said to Edward, sure. But I wasn't really sure. Um, but here it is. 10 months into the project, actually six months into the project. Um, before, before I forget, I'd like to take a moment to thank my three wonderful assistants, who I don't see here today, actually. <laughs> no, I know Evan's, Evan's here. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Evan is um, HKS and HBS joint degree. And Qingqing, who's standing by the door, is a, a recent graduate from Harvard Graduate School of Design. And we also got an assistant, uh, Guo Zijia, who is a um, graduate from Fletcher School of Tufts this year. And another assistant, um, Cui Mei, Zhang Cui Mei, 
She is actually not here today. She's working for a casino company in Las Vegas now. Busy identifying potential donors, I guess. Um, so before I really go on, I just want to say this is a sneak peek, which means the, the website is not public yet. The plan is to launch it sometimes in, in January. Um, and we're going to update every year to have annual list every year. So between now and then, if anyone has any um, comments, feedback, questions, feel free to let, let us know. We still have time to make it perfect. So what is it? It's a, um, it's a website. It's a database. It's a snapshot of China's philanthropic landscape between September 2014 and August 2015. Uh, we adopt a top-down approach by coming through a wide network of hundreds of philanthropists and finally nailed down the top 100 most generous people. We're not saying that philanthropy is just a hobby just for the rich people. No, no, no. You and I we can also participate. But by focusing on the top, we want to influence the people who have the most influences. And then from my journalism experience, we know that Big names make news. People love reading human stories. Um, so this is the database here actually includes the following matrix between uh, September 2014 and August 15. Uh, it includes total donation of each, each individual, industry, demographic information, such as how old they are and where they come from, charitable causes, where they donate their money to, and geographic focus, where the money is going, basically. And we also invented some of the new concepts, such as generosity index, which I'll talk about later. Um, so I'll go down to, the, to our first page. Headline figure here, 3.8 billion US dollar, is the total donation made by top 100 people in the 12-month period, which we call 2015, because the bulk is this year. Um, this is about 24, 24 billion yuan. And there's one note here I want to highlight. The number includes pledge, which means the money someone says he's going to donate, but he hasn't done that yet. Ideally, we don't want to include pledge. We only want to include, count actual giving, the money that's actually leaving someone's pocket. But in this year's case, I just think it will be incomplete if we don't include two huge, huge pledges made by Jack Ma and He Chaonyu. Jack Ma pledged to give 15 billion yuan. And He Chaonyu, who is the owner of a landscaping company in Beijing, she pledged to give about 3 billion yuan. So we just thought it would be incomplete to, to forget about them. But in the actual ranking, uh, in the chart, which I'll show you later, we actually only count actual giving. So uh, for Jack Ma, it's about 130 million, and He Chaonyu is not on the list because she made the pledge sometime in, uh, in, in summer, which is too late for this year's ranking. And here's another data set, a uh, data point. Um, donation from the 100 people actually accounts for 0.03% of China's GDP. And if you compare that to so the country's total donation, these 100 people alone account for about a quarter of China's total giving. In, that includes individuals and corporate and, and government. Um, so in another word, if you do the math right, total donation in China last year is about, if you want to know in terms of percentage of total GDP, it's about 0.1% of China's GDP last year, 0.1%. And if you want to know the number for other countries, for example, the US, the figure is 2%. 2 so 20 times of China. Oh, here it is, Jia, who is my capable assistant from Tufts. Um, in the US, that's 2%, 20 times of China's um, percentage. And in India, it's 0.4%, four times of China. In Russia, that's 0.01%. It's only one-tenth of China. Um, so I just thought it's, uh, it's interesting to share. 
uh, we found 24 what we call new philanthropists, people who have never appeared on any major ranking before. Um, how we found them? I'll talk about our methodology towards probably the end of the talk so that we can have a discussion. So I'll save that for later. Uh, I'll go quickly. So you see two, ch uh, two um, buttons here, uh, which you can which take you to charts and, uh, and maps, which is another um, big thing for the website. But I'll, I'll show you that later. The next page is top givers. These are the top 10, top 10 givers in terms of absolute amount of actual giving in, in 2015. I'm just curious, how many people know here know uh, He Xiangjian, who he is? I figure not many. So he is the number one this year with a donation of 400 million yuan. And 73 year old, he is actually the founder and owner of Guangdong Meidi Group, which makes appliance, uh, home appliance, like GE here. And he retired from work about a few years ago, and he's now dedicated his, life, his time to uh, philanthropy full time. Um, second one is Wang Jianling, who we are very familiar with. He actually recently gave a big gift to Harvard University to launch Harvard Global Institute, which is designed to tackle climate change issues. And he's actually meeting um, officials from Harvard uh, next week in Shanghai. The third person, Tang Lixing, I'm not going to go over all of them. Uh, Tang Lixing is a, um, he's in commercial property in southwest city of Chengdu, and he gave about 300 million to Chongqing University where he graduated from. And the third one, you notice we don't have a picture for the, the fourth people, uh, Xing Fuping. So for top 10, apart from Wang Jianling and Jack Ma, whose picture we actually got directed from the company, and for the rest of people, we pay a Chinese photo website to purchase the pictures. But even they don't have a picture for, for Xing, Fu, Xing Fuping. So we actually don't know how he looks like. Um, but that's still better than, there's another person I have to say on the top 100 list, we don't even know who he is. We know how he looks like, because there's a nice article about him on the internet. The name, donation, and recipient. But apart from that, there's no mentioning of him in the whole universe. We don't know who he is. Still a myth. Um, so you would surprise that someone gives so much money but still choose to keep such a low profile. Um, this came to me as a surprise as well. You know, I covered basically rich people for a few years, and about two-thirds of the people on this ranking, on this list, are very new to me. I've never heard of them until then. Um, I've been trying to, so when Edward asked me to take on this job, I was like, you know, the. Philanthropists and billionaires, they are naturally the same group of people, right? So I used to look at how much money they give, they, they make. Now I'm just checking how much money they give. Easy job. But it, it's, it's, they're so different. I've been trying to understand why um, these two group of, group of people are different. I don't have a concrete answer, but I've come up with several possible explanations. The willingness to give or generosity actually depends on a few factors. One, I guess how easily, how quickly the money is made. That's important. That's why we see a lot of people on the list are from uh, real estate, property industry. Um, so apparently China has seen a big boom in property for the past basically two decades. And that's where, where they come from. And two, how close a relationship he or she has to have with the government. Again, property, right? And three, how much time, how much effort he or she can spare dealing with philanthropy. I've heard this many times from uh, philanthropists that actually spending money is a lot, a lot more difficult than making money. There's a lot of restrictions, there, there are boundaries. Um, <clears throat> I'll give you an example. Um, one, of my, one of the uh, billionaires that I'm familiar with is 
Zong Qinghou, who is the owner of Hangzhou Wahaha Group, which is China's, I think, second largest soft beverage company, only after um, Coca-Cola. He's not very high up in the philanthropist ranking, but he's constantly in top five of any uh, billionaire's ranking in China. <clears throat> I talked to him in the summer, uh, why you're why you giving so little? And he said, you know, the family, Zong family gave a few hundreds of million yuan to two universities in the past two, three years. And then you have to, you know, these billionaires, they're very, they have strong opinions. They, they want to spend their money their way. But when you give money to, say, Chinese government or university, Chinese organizations, you probably don't, you, you probably don't get what you pay for. Means you have to, there's a lot of negotiation going on between the donor and the recipient, right? So that two major gifts to two universities actually took up a lot of his time. So he's not a, he doesn't really have time to do it this year. Um, which actually brings to another point of this industry, which is a, a big shortage of talents. So if any of you here is interested in working in philanthropy in China, this is great timing. You can really help to make a difference and to help the industry professionalize. Um, so you can see there's a button that will take you to the, to the whole list, but I'll show that later. Some of the highlights. Um, Guangdong is the most generous region in terms of the number of philanthropists and total amount of giving. It's quite a, it, it's not really surprising because Guangdong is the manufacturing hub. And Shenzhen, which is the city of Guangdong, is the China, one of the financial centers and innovation technology centers. So it's not really a surprise. But another finding that recently came, in, came to my mind, which I think is a big catalyst we shouldn't overlook is, um, tradition and religion. You know, the native people in Guangdong, Hakka people, Kejia um, you know, there's, it's deeply embedded in their culture to give back to society, to help people around you when you get rich. So I guess that is only, that, that is another reason that helps to explain why Guangdong is so um, far ahead in terms of geography. Now, does anyone want to take a guess which country in the world is the most philanthropic, most generous in terms of the percentage of population that donates? Not the United States. No. It's Myanmar. 91% of the population in Myanmar donate. And I think it's pretty obvious that it has to do with its strong Buddhism tradition. And only, uh, according to data from Charities Aid Foundation, only five of the top 20 most philanthropic countries in the world are members of G20 nations, which is supposed to be super rich, right? So I, I figure it's, money is important, but it's not always just about money. Um, I'll go on to real estate. I, I kind of talked about this uh, briefly just now, so I'll, I'll skip. Um, education, China is not a, is no exception to the global trend in which the, the top choice for top philanthropists means one million dollar above is to give to higher education. Um, in fact, eight universities in China last year received donation that's greater than 100 million yuan. And it's, that shouldn't really surprise us because the place we are now is a big magnet for, for funding. Um, go, sorry. Uh, 57 gave to government or government-related charities. Private foundations, 19 of them have set up a um, private foundations and donate via their own foundations. I think the idea of this website to, to have a record of what's going on of each year is to, you know, given 
in a few years' time, we're able to see some trend in this field. And I personally strongly believe the number here, 19, will grow dramatically in the next three to five years. Great career opportunity. Uh, gender comparison is quite self-explanatory. And lastly, it's a nice picture of the team. So let's have some uh, real fun. I'll go to the charts. Before I start, I just want to play with it, kind of show off the charts. So you can basically sort by different criteria. Um, the first tab, generosity index, like I said, it's something, something new. Um, oh, I'll, I should say the, the, the chart, every circle here means one person. The size of the circle is the size of his donation. And the color of the circle corresponds to the industry where they came from. And here is their initial. On the Chinese version, it will be their full Chinese names. We tried our best to maximize the, the icon, but you, know, you can't really do this because, because some, of the, some people give too much. Their circle is so big, and some are uh, little. So th that is also, is, that kind of is the point to compare giving by um, individuals. Okay, um, generosity index. So when, when we look at giving right now, the traditional way is to compare absolute numbers. But obviously, a million dollars means different to me and to Mark Zuckerberg. So we want to see, um, we want to provide a, a fresh perspective to help people to understand really how generous a person is. And the way we deal with it is to divide his donation by the value of shares he or she owns in any companies, which is a proxy to his net worth, to his wealth. Um, so here, on the x-axis, is the total amount of donation. He Xiangjian is pretty far here. And, and the y-axis is the percentage of uh, his donation in relation to his wealth. And here we got uh, Wang Miaotong. Um, right here, he is the most generous people in, in China in terms of generos generosity index. Well, I have to apologize for one thing. There is a technical hiccup. When mouse over on the circle, the name should say Wang Miaotong here, not Liang Guangwei. And the reason we have that is um, we're fixing the technical issue. It's quite an interesting story. I'll just spend two minutes to talk about it. Um, so as you can see now, it's a very data-heavy website. We have 100 people and a few metrics for each of them. And in the back end, we save everything on a massive, massive Google charts. Um, and then about two weeks ago, as we thought the site, the job is pretty much done, and we plan to launch it in two weeks. And my, uh, we have two wonderful web designers who live in Georgia, the country, not the state. And it's good of them to check the website from, you know, there's some sort of website you can, some app you can check how website looks like from different locations in the world. And Georgi tested from a server from Shanghai, and he found out that the page just keeps loading. Um, the circles won't appear. And it's, it's then we realized we forgot a simple fact about China that China can't access Google, including Google charts. So viewers from China basically can't access number that our data. But we're, we're fixing it now, and it should be done very quickly. Um, anyway, well, I could have asked them to fix the links here, but I just didn't want to waste them their time on something that's going to be fixed later. Um, so if you want to know more about Wang Miaotong here, click on him, and it will take you to 
sorry, it will take you to his to his circle. which is right here. So he, his generosity index is 5.61%. I'm sure no one knows him. I didn't know him before. Uh, he is the owner of a auto parts maker in Zhejiang province. And he, uh, he actually, actually donates 100 million yuan to build a new stadium for his hometown. And his... Uh, his total wealth is something like 2 billion yuan, which is actually, I'm not saying he's poor, but he's not that much compared to his cohort, right? So that's why, that's why he is, in terms of the x-axis, he's not really far. He's here. He um, is quite far on the x-axis, but not really up on generosity index, his 400 million giving is only about 1% of his net worth, which actually means only one thing, that he's super rich. Um, I'm sure you want to know how Bill Gates and people like Warren Buffett stand on this chart. I have it for you guys. Bill Gates gave 1.3 billion, billion dollars last year, 2014. And his net worth is close to 80 billion, billion dollars, 79.2 billion dollars. And that actually contributes to his generosity index at 1.6%. So he's somewhere here. But then that's the generosity index. But in terms of total giving, he's far off. He's off charts. Super rich. Um, Warren Buffett, he gave $2.8 billion last year. His net worth, 63.8. And his generosity is 4.3. So he's here. And again, way off on the x-axis. I think we just got a new champion on Tuesday, uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, well, providing that we include uh, Americans and we include pledge. He pledged to get 99% of Facebook shares. So he's actually way up here. Um, actually, I, I didn't know uh, Giving Tuesday until this Tuesday. Uh, I think, uh, it, I don't know if any people like me who don't know Giving Tuesday until this year. I think I'm not the only one. Um, so it's a it's a global effort. It's a global day dedicated to, to giving. It's an, basically a, a campaign calling on people to give. After Thanksgiving, after Black Friday, after Cyber Monday, and you have Giving Tuesday, you have Thank You Wednesday, um, and Edge Center Talk Friday. <laughs> um, so I think you know, the, the point is, in China, we have a national campaign for shopping, Singles Day, which is like Black Friday, more like Cyber Monday. But we don't really have a national campaign for, for giving. Um, so I, I'll go over the other tab of the chart very quickly. Charitable causes. XX, again, is the donation. Y is the, the number of charitable causes an individual is in. So these guys give for one cause. These guys, two causes three causes, and this is Jack Ma Champing. He gave in, he gave in uh, four causes here, sorry. Oh, this is the full ranking. You can actually see. Jack Ma gave in education, environment, social welfare, and disaster relief. So the ranking, oh, I forgot, the ranking is from 400 million all the way to 1 million. Next one is industry, where they come from, where they make their money from. Um, sorry, it's the, it's the screen size problem, actually. Manufacturing, real estate, energy, consumer, tech, 
finance, education, healthcare, transportation, other. So you have a Shi Shiqi here who is a Chinese calligraphy artist. And Zheng Dong, the guy I just mentioned, we, ha we know nothing about. And there's an um, article about him giving 50 million to the university he went to, Tianjin University. And the university actually did a very nice interview of him. There's a picture. But apart from that, we couldn't find anything. We tried to get in touch with the university, but they're not really, not really helpful. Um, and then age. It's quite um, uh, self-explanatory. Timeline. This is the circle means the how much money is being donated in each month during the past year. Um, so the idea we wanna we wanna visualize that uh, is to see if we can identify any pattern more easily. Because graphics tells more about more than uh, text and, and numbers, um, but I, I'm afraid I don't see a major um, surprise here. The biggest circle is in October. That's because four out of top ten people gave in that month: Wang Jianling, He Xiangjian, Tang Lixing, and Lu Chaokang. Um, I, I think it's pretty coincidental. I don't see any inherent links between those donations. And December is the second largest. That's quite understandable because it's the, usually it's the year and giving, the, the annual gala kind of thing. Um, and we have a little note here. So the second row are, are the, the causes, basically, where the money is going. In education, XX is total donation again, and Y is the amount of money the philanthropist gave in education. So if you look at Wang Jianling here, again, I apologize for the name, it's really confusing. So this is Wang Jianling, he gave more than 300 million in total, and a third of it, about 1 million, went to education. And these guys, they gave pretty much everything to education, one cost. Healthcare, social welfare, which includes poverty alleviation, disaster relief. There, there weren't many major disasters in China this year, so a lot of people here on this chart, they actually gave to Nepal um, because there's earthquake there. Cultural, environmental. Um, I want you to take one minute to compare environmental to education. It's actually surprised me. Education is so busy. Um, environmental, there's so little involvement. I'm not saying education is not important. It's extremely important. That's how we got here, every one of us. But anyone has been, if anyone has been following the air pollution situation in Beijing, I think this chart is pretty alarming. Uh, the last week for about two days, I think the air there is technically unbreathable. Um, so another, I think, contribution of our project is to help people, help donors, to identify more easily where they should do more next year in the future. Um, and another thing about education and environment, I, I think, is you know, when you give to education, you benefit immediately. You will have a scholarship under your name, and even better, a building under after name after you. But for environment, it's a long-term battle. You don't you don't benefit overnight. Um, so then uh, there's the whole ranking. Okay, now I'm gonna move to my favorite part, which is maps. Um, you got three tabs here, donation origins, donation destinations, and donation flows. Um, the circle here is not every province has uh, philanthropists on our list. And the circles are uh, provinces who have philanthropists on our list. 
and their total amount of giving number of philanthropists, and who is the leading figure? Basically, who is who are giving? Before I click on the second tab, I want you to take a minute to, to envision what the, the second map will like will, will look like. I I thought before I, I thought really the real thing, I thought it would be a lot of dots on the west part in central or the northern part, basically the poor area of China. And then if you click that they are 80% identical, the two maps. I think this is probably the most revealing finding of our research. Most money stays, most philanthropists donate locally, and a lot of money go to rich areas, like Beijing, and like Guangdong, uh, Chongqing, and Zhejiang, Shanghai. And there's so little in Xinjiang, Tibet. To put that in US context, can you imagine if Bill Gates gave all his money in Seattle and Washington State? Um, Warren Buffett gave all his money in Omaha, Nebraska. Well, that's how ridiculous it is. Um, and then if you move to the third tab, red is provinces who actually give to other places. So Guangdong give to other places. Um, red is provinces receive from other provinces. And orange is provinces both give and take. It's true, Beijing, philanthropists in Beijing give a lot. But other organizations in Beijing also take a lot. Um, and the red lines, actually, the green lines are um, uh, flow of money from one place to another. Okay, that's the end of the website. Before I open up for questions, I just want to say uh, two things which I'm sure you will ask, so I just answer uh, beforehand. Uh, methodology. Um, we start from competitions. There are existing philanthropists ranking out there in China. Um, which we disagree on accuracy, of course. Um, but it's a good starting point. Um, we actually start from um, three uh, competition, com competitors, um, Forbes, Huren, and uh, there's another one from Beijing Normal University. Uh, we scan all of them, 300 names. These are the usual suspects. Right? And then we rely heavily on publicly available information, such as media report, company website, corporate filings. And we also go to the recipient side. Um, you, know, you have uh, government charities, Red Cross, and universities. A lot of universities set up their development unit. Development basically is a euphemism for fundraising. Um, that's why we uh, actually uncover a lot of new philanthropists there, right? And here, uh, for each individual, we create an Excel-based model. And for the 100 people, we have a master, master uh, spreadsheet, which is similar to the Google charts, but just a lot more uh, complicated. And here, some journalism principles are applied here. For example, when in doubt about some donation, and after making reasonable attempts to reach out to the, to the guy to verify, if we still feel uncomfortable, we simply take him out. I'll give you an example. Um, Chen Guangbiao, uh, he is a very controversial, very contentious figure in China, very outspoken, and he would do crazy, crazy things like he would invite homeless people in New York. He's a Chinese philanthropist. He would invite homeless people in New York to have a lunch in Central Park and then give out, hand out $300 each cash. Um, so this year, there's an article about him uh, giving three facilities in his home village in um, Jiangsu province. And the three facilities include 
a center for uh, senior citizens, a kindergarten, and a market for agricultural goods. So the three facilities are valued together at, according to himself, at 70 million yuan, which is about $12 million. That's just way off. It's insane. Um, so we try to get in touch with the company. We try to talk to him. And we also try to get hold of um, people in the village. And we, we couldn't, we don't have any luck. So I just decided to, um, to take him out. I'd rather be missing someone than to be wrong on someone or simply feel uncomfortable to have someone on the list. Um, and lastly, all the data is verified by China Charity Information Center, which is affiliation of Ministry of Civil Affairs. Um, they found some mistake, actually, which are mostly because, which are mostly outdated because news tend to get recycled from time to time. So they put a old news, put on a new uh, dateline. And we, we took them out, of course. Um, second thing I want to talk before um, open up for questions is why we want to do this, why I want to do this, apart from Edward asked me to, um, is I see a lot of young faces here. I think I'm, I'm old enough to give you a life lesson, which is, how to spend your money matters more than how to make money in your life. So I think it's the case for, for an individual, it's the case for a country and a company. China saw the second highest number of $1 million giving and above in 2014, um, second only to the US. So we think it's very important to analyze and understand why and how, where the philanthropists are spending, right? So there are three goals to the, to the project. One is to shift the national debate from wealth creation. It's kind of ironic, I talked about that last year here. <laughs> from wealth creation to philanthropy, from making money to spend money. And two is to help to create a healthy competition. I think our generosity index can help do that. And three, to help the philanthropists themselves and the government to identify where they should put more resources to, in terms of where in terms of um, geographic location and charitable causes. Right? Um, I think that concludes my talk. Thank you very much. Questions? Yeah, we'll, we'll open up to questions. I, I'm going to take uh, moderator's privilege okay. and ask the first question, and then we'll, uh, we'll pass it around. I'm curious, um, looking at the map that you have of the donation flow, if you, were, if you were to include donations from China to other places, for mm -hmm. example, um, Chinese giving, giving to places like the Kennedy School, I think right. a lot of it is to universities, right. what, what would that look like? And what, what percentage of the donation being given from China is going out of the country? Well, actually, there is one donation from China to, to Harvard, which is from uh, Soho, China, Zhangxin and Panshi. They gave $10 million last year, last October. It's not showing up in the map, because um, it's just too complicated. We, we might do that next year to include a global map. Um, but I think uh, Everything else in China, as a country, as people get rich, apparently they won't have their global power. And to give money to external institutions, university is a great place to, to give. It's a, it's a good way to them to kind of exert their financial power. And I personally would expect, actually it's, it's happening. I, we talked to um, Zhang Xin in the summer and she said, you know, they are actually, apart from Harvard and Yale, which they gave last year, they're actually looking at other U.S. universities and to try, trying to give. So I think it's, it's going to be a trend for Chinese philanthropists to give abroad, just like, because most of them are not only philanthropists, they're, they're mostly they're entrepreneurs, and they want to do business outside. And it's important to tap the market this way. So, uh, wonderful talking. My question is, uh, for such project, uh, 
started in Boston. What the effective way to fund the nice philanthropy in China to support? Is anything you could do for such project? The project is about uh, transfection. The transfection creative resolve two problems. One is air pollution. One is for the traffic jam. They do not use the ground. They are up the ground. So uh, because now that is a sort of private, is, is a benefit for everybody, for the public. So just like wondering how then we can fund a nice philanthropy. Don't quite understand. Okay. You mean how we fund people fund our project or fund other causes? For this project, for the uh, this project is uh, for tra uh, transfection, transparency, trans transfection, transportation. Transportation is as a very new creative idea. This idea, the founder is a person in MIT. They would like to do this project in China, but now need the money. How can they fund the philanthropy? Or oh, maybe you can help. Thank you. Good, good question. <laughs> I mean, I wish I could help, but you know, my daily routine is I, I stay eight hours in a room just across the street. <laughs> I, I do wish I could help, but um, how, I want to go back, uh, talk a little bit about our, our project. We fund ourselves. It's self-funded by the Ash Center. Um, and if you wonder how we find philanthropists, I mean, it, it's two years' experience covering billionaires. And then I don't think we found them all. You know, the, the list is not complete. We, we, we know what we know, but we don't know what we don't know. So there must be people out there who give a lot, but we, we, we don't know. They just don't want to go on public. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah, I will try. <laughs> Thank you for your talk. Um, my question, I like to make very succinct uh, points and raise questions. I don't know how succinct I'm going to be able to be, but I'll be as succinct as I can. Um, you've come from China. You've talked to a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, philanthropists. You've talked to a lot of people about philanthropy in China. Is there any discussion about the role of uh, philanthropy at this scale or at the Mark Zuckerberg scale in a maturing and democratizing society? I mean, who is to decide what the social needs are, what the needs of others are? Is it the polity as a whole, the citizens as a whole, or some rich millionaire? Now, Zuckerberg, what, what is it, 77 billion or whatever his, his uh, philanthropy amounts to? He may be very generous in setting that aside for certain limited, he has a limited, uh, uh, he has limits on the, the use of his, his philanthropic money. But uh, did he make that money through generosity? No, he didn't. So, uh, I mean, what you need in a mature society is a tax structure, corporate taxes, removal of uh, tax havens, et cetera, et cetera, so that people don't make this kind of crazy money in the first place. I mean, Bill Gates did not make his money through uh, being an honorable citizen. He skirted the law, he defied the law. So I'm just wondering what kind of, I mean, uh, Chi Jiwei uh, was here a few weeks ago talking about the role of the Communist Party in preparing Chinese people for democracy. Now, isn't that part of the discussion? I mean, where, was, where should, should money come from that funds social goods? Right. So I think there are two questions, where, which, how they decide which areas they donate to. And the other, I want to make a comment on Mark Zuckerberg. Thank you for the question. Um, the first topic, I think most of people, um, like, like I said, they're entrepreneurs. They have their own business. And then they, they know their business, and they tend to go to the areas they're most familiar with. For example, Zhong Qinghao, I just talked, he donated to, um, to set up two food science center in two universities to do food research. And then uh, He Changnu, which we know, uh, which we're familiar with, she, uh, she runs a landscaping company. And her uh, focus of her uh, charity is to, do, uh, to deal with water, earth, and air pollution, air uh, problems. So I think for them, most of them are just looking at um, the areas they know they have expertise on. And the second thing, and thank you for a question on Zuckerberg. I want to talk about that. Uh, it's quite interesting to observe that as a Chinese in the US, um, I don't see 
so since the, the news broke in, on Tuesday, I don't see many uh, negative piece in the US press, in, in English language world, that actually criticize Zuckerberg. You know, most of the sentiment is great. I mean, he, he is a spectacular giving, and he set a great example. But what's funny is there are a lot of Chinese articles circulating on the internet actually qu questioning the youngest philanthropist. <laughs> questioning the what what the what his true intention, what's his true motivation. I think that exact says why China and Chinese philanthropy and Chinese people as a whole need to be educated about philanthropy. And people the mentality of people back in China about philanthropy is you know, rich guy giving money to poor people, uh, sacrificing himself without any benefit to himself, which is wrong. I mean, you can hit multiple birds with one stone, right? So by setting up, I think in Zuckerberg's case, he set up a LLC, which means limited liability co uh, corporation. Yeah, it's, not a, it's not a charity. It's, a, it's essentially a company. So yeah, it's investment. He can do investment. It's completely free to spend money his way. Uh, I think that's the point where people think he might be, um, the, the whole thing might be confusing. But I, I don't agree. I mean, he can, it's all his money. If he wants to say, avoid tax and leave a bigger chunk of the money to his daughter, there are many other ways he can do it. He can set up a family trust. And he can buy a large amount of insurance to give his daughter. He doesn't have to make it public that I set, I set up a, a company, limited investment vehicle. I think the reason for that, as he said in the, in the letter, is to actually grow the money and achieve bigger goals. Okay, so my first question was, who's the primary target audience? And then, um, as you think about next stages, are you like, organizing any conferences or meetings with these people to kind of talk about your project and also to like, give your suggestions for what sectors to direct philanthropy to in the future? Well, I think from uh, today's turnaround, <laughs> you can see a lot of people are interested in China philanthropy. And I honestly, I didn't know until I started doing this job. Um, so the, the, the target would be obviously philanthropists themselves, right? And academia and companies who are interested in giving. Um, and probably most important, the government. Um, and you know, it's, the idea is to just have, a, like I said, a snapshot of the landscape as of August 2015. And we're, we're plan we to uh, update every year. So let's say in a five to 10 years time frame, you'll be able to identify, uh, there will be like moving animations of where where the money is going and the, as the circle grows bigger, um, that kind of thing. And th the next stage, uh, like I said, we're going to update every year, but I won't be here next year. So I, I don't really know. Yeah. Follow up on um, Zuckerberg's question. Are yeah. there uh, tax incentives and tax structures uh, for Chinese philanthropists? Because we know a lot of countries have that uh, incentive for rich people to give money to evade tax in a way? Very good question, John. Uh, I think being a word, no. There, you know, there is, the government has been um, deciding whether or not to have actually a law on philanthropy for 10 years. There isn't such a law yet. Um, so, uh, but I, I think they're gonna have it very soon. The, you can see the sentiment, the debate is heating up in recent years. Uh, from what I know in terms of uh, tax incentives, it's really up to the local government. For example, you have to register your charity or foundation somewhere in China, right? say um, Suzhou, and then if the go local government is supportive, you can actually get a nice deal. You can probably get tax-free. So that's why I said earlier, uh, it's important to look at how close a relationship entrepreneur has to have with the government. Um, it's still pretty much driven, regulated by, by the government, or by people, actually. Thank you for the presentation. I learned a lot today. Uh, actually, I have two questions. Number one, uh, you mentioned in the presentation that uh, education is the biggest receiver for donation. Actually, I'm very curious about the, actually the mixing structure of that. Say, uh, 
higher education versus fundamental education, urban versus rural, public versus private schools. Actually, my guess will be most money actually goes to the big name university in the cities. And actually, those cities are maybe funded by the central government, may not be the ones that need the money most. Uh, what do you see the trend of that? Because I think your study showed a really good snapshot of what's, what's happening now. Um, in the long term, what do you see the trend is? And actually, second question is, uh, when I was working in China with some foundations, philanthropic foundations, um, their money goes really wild. They don't really have a clear mission of what we want to do. Uh, they basically want to do good things. So basically, when I was working in China, I just work with the personal relationships. If, I, if you know me, you know I can do good things. You, you, you put some money on me. But if you don't know me, no matter how good my project is, you're not going to spend a penny on me. So uh, I, don't, I don't really know what the future of that is. I don't know if other, say, uh, entrepreneur uh, donors have different views on that. Thank you. So I'll just kind of go back to the front page. Now I'd like to show among top 10 people how many give to universities. So Tang Lixin gave 300 million to uh, Chongqing University. Wang Jianlin gave to Harvard. Xing Fuping gave about 300 million to Jilin University. Uh, and then Lu Chaokang, I can't remember which university he gave to, but he, he also did. Lu Zhiqiang, he gave to Fudan University, about 100 million. They're all in the hundreds of millions. Jack Ma, 100 million to Hangzhou Normal University, where he went. Wu Xiaoxing, I can't remember. Um, so I, you're very right that if you look at the number of donation giving, probably a lot more go to primary school, middle schools in rural area. But if you count the number, I would say the, the, the majority goes to big names university in, in, in the city. Um, the second question, uh, mission, mission statement about um, charity. If you look at uh, Zuckerberg, his letter, he's actually pretty vague in terms of what the mission is. I guess when you when you decide to set up a foundation, um, like I said, it's a long-term effort. You don't really have a clear vision. You may have identified um, two or three areas, but you can't be more specific than that. Uh, in terms of getting money from, um, from uh, foundations, I think you're talking more about uh, how NGOs actually solicit funding. Um, I'm, I'm not expert. We have expert here, uh, Zhou Chun. Um, but my, my guess is, uh, in China, uh, I think there, the big problem is there is um, a trust issue. I mean, how, I give you the money, how, how much, where you spend money, I don't know unless you know, unless you know you personally, right? Um, but but I, I think it's, you, know, you can't really change that overnight. It takes time. Um, but we see some good uh, trend. Uh, people are more and more interesting, pay more attention to this field. Um, I think it, it also need talent that can work on the NGO side to try to advertise, to do marketing, PR, um, to tell people what, what we're up to. Uh, I just have two simple like sure. clarifying questions. One is like, I want to learn more about like why you think it's more more important to spend money than uh, than like make money. Like, uh, what are some examples or like evidence or cases? And also like going back to the graph uh, when you have the colorful bubbles. I wonder like the bubbles uh, with the tags of like education, energy, real estate, uh, technology. So is that showing where the money is going, or is that showing? the main industry um, of the donators. You uh, mean this one? Or? Yeah. Uh, I mean the lines here? Yeah. So is that oh, like? Th these are the industries where they come from. So where their, their companies come from, basically. Oh, right. So that's actually another question about this slide, because it seems like the major industries right now uh, are pretty much related to the developing state of China right now. Right. And as I am thinking about the uh, economic structure here, um, in terms of like maybe fashion and lifestyle or like uh, innovative, like, um, you know, like food companies. Mm -hmm. So it just seems like that's that kind of trend is still lacking in China. Mm -hmm. And then so I wonder how the um, economic state 
is related to wealth accumulation. Right. No, um, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I think if you look at the top, if I go back to the page, top three industries are real estate, manufacturing, consumer, and technology. Um, I often tend to compare China's economy with U.S. economy. And about 100 years ago, the big uh, tycoons here are uh, you know, Rockefeller, uh, you know, people with, uh, in energy and finance business, property. And now um, you have Bill Gates, Zuckerberg, and some consumer company that are really powerful in the U.S. And I think China's economy is, is sw switching gears. Um, before, for the past uh, 30 years since uh, opened up, we have the property industry, um, manufacturing especially, really booming. But then for the next uh, 10, 20 years, I think consumer, and especially tech, which, which actually is catching up pretty fast, they will be um, the dominant force of the economy. And it's not hard to, um, to imagine that uh, more and more billionaires, more and more philanthropists will come from these two, two sectors. Yeah, Carla? so exciting that this yeah. project is going to be online soon. And it's the project itself that I'm quite interested in. Right. So you've gathered this data, which in itself is an enormous project. And you've given us an idea of how to map it out, what it means visually as well as in the informational source. But your project as a comparative is brilliant. I mean, you found things in what you did that you said you were not expecting. We have this kind of a mapping of centers of money coming and going from different places in the American case. Of course, the American case is, is the the er mother of the philanthropic sector. And so it, it seems to me that we might find some surprises mm -hmm. if we did indeed make a parallel uh, website uh, with the American data. Is there such a thing? Is there a plan for such a thing? Your website should certainly be a model for other countries, uh, including the United States. Right. Um, you're not the first person who asked me the, the question. Um, no, first, I've never done anything on the US and research on U.S. financial before. This is my first project. Um, and like I said, when I started, I didn't even know if I can finish that. Um, but I figure if you can do that in China, you can probably do it in any other country. Um, actually, we've had some um, discussions with scholars here in Harvard, see if it, it's possible to do something similar for the U.S. Uh, it, it certainly it won't be my plan. But I, I do hope someone here can, can carry it on. Thanks. That was an awesome presentation. Um, I thought it was very interesting that you kind of brought up two issues. On one side, there's the problem of shifting the focus from wealth creation to philanthropy. On the, sec on the other side, there's also the question of like trust and like, can we trust these charitable organizations we're giving to? which is an issue in China. I think that very few meet the international standards for like transparency and disclosure. So I was wondering if you see those two things as the most important or the biggest obstacles to promoting philanthropic work in China. And then how do we work to resolve this? Do we work on them in tandem? Does one come before the other? Is there another maybe obstacle, like maybe an unfriendly political and policy situation? In addition to that, you said they've been debating this philanthropy law for the past 10 years. I'm just wondering what are the obstacles to like moving forward? Um, so, <laughs> so actually transparency index, index is actually in our original plan. We won't have that. But we just found, you know, uh, again, you're dealing with uh, information availability issue. There is, one, it's hard to quantify transparency. And two, a lot of the foundations in China, they they don't have obligations to disclose their information. There's no nothing you can work on. So we scrapped the idea. But for sure, definitely, I, th I think the one way to tackle, to help the, the industry kind of mature is to really have the law. You, know, you have to, I think in the US, the, the law actually is very specific. You have to spend 5% of your endowment every year, and you, you should do that, you shouldn't do that. Um, so I think the, the law will help. 
but uh, I don't think the if we talk short term, I think there will be a law, three, four, four five years. But if we talk short term, next year, two years, I don't know because this year's situation is there are five drafts of philanthropy law in China, developed by five different organizations, which means there isn't really a sort of consensus that can kind of integrate everything. It's going to take some time. Great. Well, if if nobody else has questions, um, this has been this has been a great talk. Perrin, do you know? Um, I don't want to press you for a deadline, but do you have an idea of when this will launch publicly? The second week January, I great. hope. Great. Well, so so do we. We'll uh, we'll we'll mark our calendars. Uh, well, thank you all very much for coming. As I said, this is the last one of the semester, but I hope to see you all next semester. Thank you.